Welcome and thanks for tuning in. While you listen to this podcast and think about the topics that we'll explore, remember, the areas you're moving into are always most important. Plan well and move to protect others and yourself. That's how you deliver flawless service and move America safely. So enjoy life and enjoy this podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Keeping It Rail. I'm the show's producer, Travis, and I'm here today again, and I'll be here again and again and again indefinitely with Jason Francis because Jason is the new host of the show. He'll be taking over for Mike. How you doing, Jason? I am doing wonderful. It's good to be here again. I got a question for you before we get started. Okay. Before we get to our guest, what's the most inconvenient, one of the most inconvenient experiences a driver can have out on the road well i would say probably breaking down then uh the person that you would call would be our guest today mr chris anderson from the breakdown department thank you guys for having me i'm happy to be here and uh ready to uh get down to business yeah tell us about what you guys do our group is comprised of all former mechanics or people who've uh been involved or run a shop, uh, so a lot of experience there. Uh, we're here from 4 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day, uh, 365 days a year, uh, servicing our driving team. And when you guys aren't here, we have an after hours for those few Correct. hours. Correct, yeah, yeah. From from 1 a.m. to 4 a.m., Extended Ops kind of helps us out with uh, making sure that people are in a safe position. Uh, there's not a lot that can be done over the road at those hours, um, so if it's something uh, bigger, uh, bigger repair stuff, then they're going to wait and get us involved when we come in at 4 a.m. When a driver's going down the road and something goes wrong and he pulls over to the side of the road, what are his next steps? Well, you know, drivers experience so much out there and there's so much to remember. And what we want to try to do is make sure we're a very easy, accessible group for that driving team. So when when something happens or there's a question about something, uh, we want them to reach out to us directly um, and call in. And, and again, we, we field every range of questions, um, especially when you get into after hours and there's less people available. Uh, we try to be as well-versed in so many different uh, facets of the business that we can try to help or at least get you in the right direction right away. So to reach you, the driver would call in on their driver line number. Correct. And then they would hit option two for maintenance, correct? Correct. And that comes right to you. When you get the, when you get the phone call, what are your next steps? What, how, does it, how does the procedure go? Yeah, so really, I mean, it's assessing the situation first. You know, that's, that's the big thing for us is really understanding what's going on and really getting to the root of the problem. What we want to know is, is what the concern is so we can start formulating a plan on maybe it's something simple that we can kind of walk you through and not have, you know, a, a whole breakdown procedure. But again, a lot of these things are pretty minor. So we try to, again, work through any issues that the driver has and then assess the situation. So we assess it. If there is a mechanical breakdown that's going to require 
external repair options, uh, that's where we really go to work. And, and again, the first, the first bit of business is making sure we understand the situation, and that way we can start preparing for what we're going to do to help that driver. If a driver's out there and they're driving on the road and they start experiencing some problems with their equipment, they don't want to panic and they want to you know, get off the road, put their triangles yeah. out, so do the, all that stuff. That's such a great point. And, and the biggest thing for us is we want to make sure you're safe, right? So when these things happen, it's never scripted. It's never at the perfect time. It's not while you're sitting at a truck stop. Um, again, uh, we, we definitely want you to do a good pre and post trip because that's a, where we can catch a majority of these issues. So it's not a uh, big concerning situation on the side of the road. But when those issues, are, when those issues occur, we want to make sure that we are safely parked, um, safely off the road. Because that, that, again, is number one for us is making sure that our drivers are staying safe out there. And yes, there's going to be lights blinking or things beeping at you. Um, we want to make sure we stay calm and remember to take a safe approach to it and get that driver in the safest position possible before they stop and call us. And then we can, again, quickly address the situation and make sure that we're uh, putting ourselves in the right spot. And on the side of the road, driver wants to get out on the passenger side, never get out on the driver's side. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's, uh, it goes along with that expect the expected. You know, it's really being mindful of the motoring public in the middle of the night and in a rural area, you, they're not, they may not be paying attention. And we want to make sure that we put ourselves in that best possible position to be safe. So yeah, get out on the passenger side. Um, you can access your triangles from underneath your bunk. So you can lift the bunk while you're in the truck and instead of having to go out to the side box on that side of traffic. Uh, again, get, there's different there's a lot of different opportunity there to where we can put ourselves in a safe position without, again, taking a chance. We never want to take a risk. You get those four ways on before you get Absolutely. out the passenger side? Yeah, visibility is key. I mean, even broad daylight, visibility is key. Um, we want to make sure that we uh, don't cause a small situation to become a big situation. And that, that's the best way to do it is make sure we're visible, make sure we're being safe, and, and again, uh, get us on the phone as quick as you can so we can help you work through that situation. I personally was a driver here for a long time. Yes, you were. And I dealt with you guys several times, and I'm just tooting our own horn here, so to speak. But uh, I'm all confidence in the world that you guys can solve just about any problem that arises. Um, sometimes maybe not as quick as the driver would like when they're sitting on the side of the road. Um, I know I had a part break and it took, you had to bring a part 300 miles across Wyoming and I was in the middle of the biggest windstorm ever. Yep. Uh, it was, it was pretty crazy, but let's talk about some of the, some of the stats. How many phone calls do you get on an average? It really ranges. I mean, there's so many different factors in it, but really if you want to look at averages, our team primarily will take three to 400 calls a day. And again, it ranges from very simple things, uh, simple questions to, you know, more complex breakdown situations. Um, again, having the newer equipment helps us considerably. Uh, but with any moving part, there's always that chance for uh, a breakdown failure. And uh, again, having a team that's well-versed in the mechanical side of it, uh, none of these guys are, are reading it out of a book. This is all off of knowledge and experience. So we can quickly kind of ascertain what we need to do uh, to put that driver in the best possible position. Wow. So is there anything a driver can do to help you be more efficient? 
Absolutely. Um, so things they should have ready when they call or stuff like that. I thought you'd never ask, and I really love saying this <laughs> out there to our team. Um, really, the biggest lever for them to pull is doing a solid pre-trip and post-trip. Uh, I really, all the stats can back it. If we do uh, get good eyes on our equipment before we, before and after we're traveling, uh, you really can catch a lot. And any of those things that are kind of question marks or does that tire look right, those are things that we can, again, in a safe situation, parked at a truck stop or a rest area, a uh, customer, whatever, we can we have a little bit more control and we can look at those things and go, okay, yeah, this this is the situation here. We need to make a repair plan or nope, we're good. We can we can take this repair to a terminal, uh, those type of situations. So staying calm always helps. Um, we, a lot of our team has a, a lot of experience. Uh, most of our team has been here 10 plus years. So we definitely have had our fair share of uh, elevated emotions uh, over the road and we That's certainly a good way of putting it yeah yeah and and we're very empathetic to that because we understand uh, if if you're out in the middle of nowhere wyoming in a major windstorm um you know there's all these other factors going on and it's not just about a broken truck you know there's there's all these other things that are being delayed um because of this certain breakdown or issue uh we definitely understand that and we want to make sure we're part of that resolution to help our drivers out and and get through that as quickly and as as calmly as possible. So you call up, have a have at least a an idea of what's going on, and if you can uh, take a second to kind of catch your breath and give us a call, it definitely helps us. You know, because uh, we don't want to have any delays when we we get that first call. We want to really get right to it and get to that solution as quick as possible. So. You know, a calm, a calm level head, um, even if you don't know exactly what's going on, uh, being calm and, and talking us through the problem, we have a lot of experience. We'll figure it out and, and get you through it as quick as possible. So one of the other things I wanted to ask is what about all the, you, you brought up the pre-trip. What about all those little things? Driver just hooked up to a trailer. There's some kind of a scratch down the side. Should he be calling you and reporting that? We have a lot of technology out there for our driving team, which I totally love. And uh, being able to, to understand and utilize the app really helps us make sure that that damage or potential issue is documented. Uh, that's where that app really comes in handy. You can go ahead, load in the number, take a picture of the situation, and it even shows you what previous drivers have reported it. Mm-hmm. So that way you know if this is something that's new and you should call in or if it's something that's been reported and is already on the docket. So that way you don't have to call it in. So if it's on there already, no need to call. Mm-hmm. If it's not on there, then you definitely should call it and report it before you move that trailer. And on the app, where do they go to look if it's been reported? So if you go onto the app, it's uh, miscellaneous damages in equipment and tires. Uh, you can go on there, and if it's a tire, there's a there's its own block for that. Or if it's miscellaneous damage, you can go through that. Just follow and the steps. Just follow the steps. It's really user-friendly. Um, even I can use it, so that means any of you can. Um, so you just go through and uh, enter Don't be so in the hard on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a very intuitive program, and it's very simple. And just a little bit of base data you put in there, it's going to give you back a – Again, a result of if it's been reported or if not. And if not, call maintenance support and let them know, and they'll let everybody else know, and you get on your way, right? Absolutely. 
Yep. And if you and if it needs to be fixed, you guys will also let them know that yeah, direction needs to be taken. Absolutely. So if there's something that hasn't been reported or um, it's something that is going to need fixing, uh, we can certainly develop multiple different repair plans right away. And that's what we want to do. We, we cannot fix stuff we don't know about. So the idea of, you know, I'm dropping it, not really my problem. Well, it creates that problem for the next driver. And everyone's been through it and everyone struggles with that. Again, it's never... Uh, at the right time, you know, you're tight on a load and you get to that trailer and you're like, a flat tire, like I don't have time for this. Always remember, even if you're dropping it, let us know about it and we can take care of it in multiple different ways. Do you have any kind of stats how Rails maintenance team stacks up against other carriers? So I'm, I'm, I'm not asking for specific names or anything. Well, I, I will. Uh, we're really <laughs> second to none, which is nice. Um, we really uh, rail invested heavily in our department to make sure we have those quality technicians working on that phone to make sure that we're making the best possible repair plan for our drivers because really what it boils down to is, is time, right? This, that's what we're all working towards is how do we give the drivers more time to do what they need to accomplish. So if we're doing our job right, which again, when you stack us up next to all these other carriers, larger and smaller. Um, the analytics we have are, are really unbelievable when they come in here and go, well, how, how is it possible? How can you maintain downtime numbers that low? And uh, how it's- low are they? <laughs> so for, for example, last year, if it was not, if it was a mechanical breakdown uh, for the year, we averaged uh, just over four hours downtime. Now that sounds like a lot, but when you start talking like major repairs on engines or transmissions or something that was, you know, a, a repair that usually takes a, a week. Um, those things all add up. And uh, really to have numbers measured by hours is not the norm. We have set such a high standard for our downtime and it, it really just requires, well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you guys all breaking information. Like this is the secret to the success is Really, we are willing to do whatever we can um, to get past all these pitfalls over the road, the lack of technicians, the lack of available parts. Uh, this is all stuff that, you know, every carrier deals with and every facet of our lives is, is kind of going through that where, oh, I ordered a fridge, but I can't get it for two months, you know, stuff like that, right? Well, the same's going on in the parts world where things are not as readily available. Um, the trick to getting past all that is to be diligent and not give up. So every day, every single day, I will have a dealer tell me, yep, it needs this part. We cannot get it. We'll order it. It'll be two to three days. Not once have I ever accepted it to be over 24 hours. So what we do is we go through and we find, okay, where is the closest part? How can we move that part? Do I have to Uber it 300 miles into Wyoming? or find a driver that, that's heading that way that I can relay that part and get it to where it needs to be. I can vouch for this. <laughs> I can vouch for this. I had one of my drivers bring a part to a Freightliner dealer so they could fix another driver's truck. Exactly, and that's that's really the key. So many, so many of these other carriers, they go, all right, you're down, get a hotel. That That is never okay in my book. We can find a way. And uh, Again, is it perfect 100% of the time? Absolutely not. You know, I, I've won more than I've lost, though, 
And that's just because of diligence. That's because we want to make sure that we've gone through every possible avenue to find a solution. And uh, we get creative. Uh, that's what I love about our leadership team is um, they really kind of let us run with it and go, hey, you know, when Uber and, and Lyft became a thing, it was like, well, can you use them to move parts? Sure can. You know, we'll, we'll find a way. And, uh, and moving things. We've towed trucks <laughs> multiple states to get to a better situation. And uh, those, those things are not taken lightly. Those are a lot of different people involved to make that happen. But again, when you're talking the difference of, say, two weeks down at a dealer in Ohio to moving it to Indiana and I can get it done in a day, I mean, it's, it's worth it. Because that, again, our driver's time is worth that. Right on. That's really, really good to hear. Um, I did have somebody ask me earlier today. They, they said, ask him this. Oh, boy. Okay. And, and this reaches out into the oddball territory. Okay? Great, great. You mentioned, you mentioned tow trucks. Yes. Tow trucks are required for a variety of reasons. Yes. Okay. Driver got lost, got stuck, uh, truck broke down, et cetera, et cetera. The question was, what was the most expensive tow charge that you can remember? I won't get specific, but I it was, don't want it details. Was, it was north of uh, it was north of a hundred thousand. Holy, I had no idea. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, it can get very complex when you're dealing with multiple different vendors out there. Mm -hmm. And some places are better than others and some situations are better than others. And we have such great relationships with a lot of tow vendors, um, which again, that's really what we strive for. When we're not helping drivers, we're trying to find better vendor options out there um, because that's the difficulty is who can you use and, and who's available? Who's going to do what they say they're going to do? Um, and that's what we really work. We spend a lot of time on that when we're not helping our driving team on how we can improve our processes and our vendor network to help that situation get better. And you're talking about third parties here. Absolutely. What about our people, our, our maintenance techs? So our maintenance techs, they, I, I really, what they do on a day-to-day -day basis, um, just the level of inspections they go through, the amount of equipment they look at, uh, the repairs that they do in all these different facilities, it's so huge to what we're doing over the road. If our maintenance was weak and poor, I would not be able to keep up. Uh, it's not sustainable to run a fleet our size with third-party vendors. It would We would be out of business as, as a company. So having such a, a strong uh, maintenance group uh, in-house is huge. And, and again, the communication. I can, when we buy a lot of the same things, we'll buy a, a number of the same trucks with the same type of setups. So when we communicate issues that might be starting off or, hey, there, there could be this going on or we see this issue with one wire on this model truck, that's all communicated throughout the lead, our maintenance leadership group. And then we can go back and go, okay, we know what to look for, right? When this issue occurs, I know right there, it's, we get a lot of, oh, you're magic. Like, how could you know this is wrong? Well, we, we do a lot of work to find out what, what is the potential cause of an issue, and we get ahead of it so that way, hey, if we see an issue, we're getting with our manufacturers. We're getting recalls that are not posted nationally, but they're just rail recalls. 
So they take care of our situation and our issues. And that's why when you come in and you go, oh, man, they said I got three recalls. Those aren't all national recalls. Those are things we've seen as issues, and we replace them and, and take care of them before they become a hindrance over the road. It's the magic of uh, recognizing patterns. Oh, absolutely. Trending is huge for us. So, again, having our, our whole maintenance support team in-house here in Marshfield, uh, we are. It's, it's such a ease to go – and look over next to somebody and go, oh, you're dealing with a Freightliner doing this? Have them try this. This worked for me yesterday. And being able to communicate that easily uh, back and forth is, again, such a huge time saver and, and such a benefit to our, our driving team. Fantastic. Did you have any more maintenance-related questions, Travis? Well, I do have one more. How about that new system that IT put in place? Oh, MMS. <laughs> so our maintenance management system, uh, this is something that we had – ran maintenance uh, under a very old platform for many, many years, for as long as I'd been here. And uh, it was functional. It did what we needed it to do. But uh, recently, they've uh, empowered us with a new maintenance system, and we are so thrilled to have it. It's going to make the future really bright for a break for maintenance-related stuff because we have so much more visibility and just ease of getting reports, getting trending, uh, parts usages, all these things are enhanced by this new system to where I really look forward to, you know, the coming months and years as we build and develop this system. And it just gives us so much more flexibility to make changes, communicate, and just make things more visible for the rest of our team. Uh, again, I could gush on about that for a long time, way longer than we have. <laughs> these are the these are the tablets that your mechanics are carrying Correct, around. Correct. Yeah. Is that what that is? is that, yeah. I heard your your episode with John Poppy the other day, and I'm glad you brought that up because I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> yeah. So I mean, again, with all this technology advancing uh, in our industry, uh, rail is always on the forefront. Uh, you know, when it comes to truck equipment, we're always testing out new and improved equipment and safety measures. Um, we're usually one of the first to get these things. So it, it's so great that our maintenance team is now, uh, again, empowered with these tablets and, and the ease of, ease of use of having all these pictures and, and diagnostics and schematics all at their fingertips instead of having to dig through it. And again, it's, the whole idea is how we can manage our time better for our drivers and, and get through those situations and, and breakdowns and maintenance. Anything else you want to add to the uh, maintenance portion of this talk? Well, I just I appreciate working for this team, and I, I have for years because, uh, you know, I have so many I've had so many interactions with people who've come from outside companies, and we're really impressed about what we do, and um, even new drivers with uh, new fresh ideas or or comments that that's all stuff we really take to heart, and it's we're never satisfied with where we are. We're always looking to where we can uh, gain strength in the future and, and build on, again, this wealth of technology out there. The, the equipment we have is so intuitive. I can tell if a, a dome light bulb is about to burn out. Um, yeah. So there's mountains and mountains of data. It's mining through it and understanding how we can put that in our driver's hands quicker. I got to be honest. That kind of creeped me out when I get that PC message saying your headlight is about to go out. Yeah. It's kind of creepy. It, it was at first for me, too. And, I, and believe me, very skeptical uh, in the beginning because I was like, there's just no way. But we we do so much testing and review of all this stuff to really make sure it's it's accurate and we're getting what we need. 
And and again, I'm just so excited for the predictive diagnostics kind of revolution that's going to happen where we get to know about these problems before they become a breakdown. And that's what I really look forward to because then I can go, hey, we got to schedule some maintenance instead of, hey, I'm broke down in Mead, Kansas. You know, where's the closest place to get fixed? I really look forward to the thought of being able to, again, schedule that and say, hey, you know, once you drop this load, we need to go here to get this fixed. Or, hey, you know, before we take that next load, we might have to stop at one of our terminals and get this part repaired. Um, but that is going to be a lot easier to manage than now we're broke down. Now we have to relay loads or do all these other things. And again, it's just such a inconvenience for our driving team when everything is so tight. You know, we're, we're trying to do the most we can with the t- available time we have. So again, having a limited drive clock, we want to maximize what we can make available to our drivers. And that goes into the importance of pre-trips, in-route inspections, post-trips, noticing things that are starting to get to a point that won't be good and is going to have you down or on a, you know, in a bad place. And Absolutely. You know, we never, I, I never expect anyone to come in there and go, yep, I, I know mechanically everything that's going on with my piece of equipment. Absolutely not. We just want you to be um, observative. And if you see something that doesn't look right or you have a question about, that's why we're here. That's that's our whole function is to make sure that we're available to take on those questions, give you some concrete, solid answers, and again, a good repair decision. So you don't have to know what that part is. Just know if it doesn't look like it did yesterday, maybe I should call somebody and that, that somebody is our team. And there's, pro- there's always going to be some downtime when a problem is seen and caught and needs to be fixed. Absolutely. It's just re- reducing that, right? Absolutely. You know, there, there's certain things that we can control and there's certain things we can't. What we can control is how we react to a problem or a breakdown. And that's where, again, you, reducing downtime from these, you know, half a day, full day, multiple days down to hours is really where it, that work is put in. And, and again, knowing a problem as soon as possible can really help us shrink that downtime to make it far less of an inconvenience. Yeah. Well, this is just absolutely fascinating. We could talk for hours probably. I'm, I'm totally impressed with the maintenance team here at rail. But you're a busy guy. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> and I'm sure you got to get out of here pretty soon. Yeah. I want to know a little bit about Chris Anderson. What do you do on your own? What is what are your what are your hobbies? What do you do for fun when you're not here saving everybody's <laughs> tail on the road? So uh, usually, I mean, I have I have three boys, um, all in sports. Uh, so I coach like this year. I'll coach two youth baseball teams, and I'll coach at least two football teams. Um, that's really my big hobby. That's what I do with most of my free time. Is when I get out of here. I want to go have little kids yell at me. Um, but uh, that's what I love to do. Uh, it's such a great community up here. And, and again, um, growing uh, within this community has been just a real joy for me. So watching the kids uh, go you, out there. and Are you from here originally? I had always been in a city life, and I wanted something quieter and wanted to kind of expand myself that way, start a family in a, a smaller community. And Luckily, my wife is from this area, and she said, I know just the spot for you. Let's take you to Marshfield. And, uh, that's How'd you where meet your wife? I met my wife at my, my 
promotion party, I was in the army and she was my boss's wife's sister's best friend who visited in Colorado where I was stationed and she came to this uh, promotion party and met me and uh, thought she was a great girl, but I was in the military and she was there for the weekend. So I was like, well, you know, nice girl. And she left and went back home to, uh, she was at the time going to school at the wood uh, here in Marshfield. And uh, my boss came back the next day on Monday and said, hey, that girl really liked you. You're going to have to call her. So I started talking to her for a few months. And then when I came back, I went to school in uh, Whitewater and we ended up meeting up there and, and going to school there. And and so the story began. <laughs> Fantastic. So first off, thanks for your service. Yes. Oh, thank you. I served as well. Um, when were you? When were you in? I was in from 2000 to 2006. So did we do any of those deployments over to the desert? Or? Oh yes. Yeah, I definitely. Uh, I can't get a tan, but I definitely got some sunburn um, out there, and I was in Iraq twice. Wow. Uh, and this was 2000. What you said? So 2003 is when we first went over there. Really, aside from that, you know, as you know, I like to get out on the motorcycle when I can. I was, was going to bring that up <laughs> if you didn't. We have about two solid months of, of riding weather here in Marshfield, <laughs> so I try to sneak my bike out um, and get a little uh, alone time every now and again. But um, yeah, I see you, you save me that half a parking spot sometimes. <laughs> I appreciate that. Absolutely, absolutely. No, and really for me that's um, – that, I, I love football. I love all the um, outdoor stuff here. You know, uh, fishing has kind of been my new hobby. And I got just a thing for you, man. I bought a boat this last fall. <laughs> Perfect. You and me need to hang out. <laughs> we can make that happen. I'm sure we could, we could put that in the calendar for sure. Well, Jason, I think that's all for this episode. Chris, thanks for being here. Uh, Jason, we're going to have to come up with a survey question. I agree 100%. I think the hot dog question has, has done run its course. But... <laughs> hey, get that feedback from your driving team. I'm sure they've got plenty of questions they'd love to hear you ask. Podcast at rail.net. Let us know what you want to hear. All right, Jason, you want to close us off? I forget what you want me to say. Whatever you want to say. <laughs> Send our listeners off with uh, positive, a positive mindset, positive, safe mindset. Keep the shiny side up and the rubber side down, and see you at the next one. All right. Thanks for listening. Well, thanks for being here, Chris. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Will that work? That's good. All right. All right.